What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterboxd Top 4 of 5 of you listeners. James, we've been seeing a lot of movies lately. How You've been seeing week? more than me. You've definitely been seeing more than me. I've been living at the movie theaters. I've had a pretty solid week of going to the theater, as well as watching some stuff at home. There's been quite an onslaught of Oscar contenders. This is my favorite time of year. This is when all of like the really great critical artistic films come out. Mm-hmm. December is always a great month for film. And this year is probably, I would say, the best year since lockdown happened. There's yeah, been probably. So, so many great, incredible, sensational films. We actually did a, our favorite indie films of 2023 that comes out next week where we talked about them in depth. But I saw a bunch of them this past week, and I was like, it's funny. I watched three movies that I put in my top four, I mean, in my top ten this week. No, five movies that I put in my top ten. Yeah, you were, you were at the theaters quite a bit now let's get into it. The first one we watched together. What did we watch? Wonka. Wonka. We just did an episode on it last yeah. week as well. Yeah, we won't go too de- deep in there because we did a whole episode. But I gave it four and a half stars and I wrote, The sweetest film of the year, pun intended. Wonka is utterly delightful and charming as it shows a new interpretation of the beloved story. Timothy Chalamet is wonderful as a young Willy Wonka and makes the role his own. The musical numbers are light and creative. The cast is terrific, and the emotions are deeply resonant. One of the year's best. Honestly, I I rated this movie at four stars, and then I let it digest for a couple days, and I switched it to four and a half because I can't stop thinking about it. It's that good, yeah. It's that good. It's so entertaining. I've been humming the music. It's terrific, and it's just delightful. I honestly can't believe they pulled it off. And you know, we make fun of the reboots and the legacy sequels and the prequels and Everything like that, we make fun of it quite often on the show with all these studios. No original ideas in Hollywood anymore. But I will say, Paul King pulled it off. This movie is exceptional. I really, really enjoyed it. I haven't made my my top 10 of 2023 list yet, but there's a chance that Wonka can make that. There's still a few you get to see before yeah. you, yeah. But I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. I really did. And it's just it's unique compared to the other movies this year. And I'm not a huge musical fan, but goodness, I really enjoyed this movie. It was Same, smiling. The entire time, and then crying at the end. It was great. All around, just a fantastic film. All right, let's get into some top fans, fours. Top fours, Anthony. Who we got? Who we starting off with? First up, we got Ryan Pat Salades. I hope I said that right. Pat Salades? <laughs> yeah. Cool name. All right, Ryan. We got some good ones. We got Shutter Island. There we go. Marty right off the bat. Then we got another Marty, Raging Bull. Another Marty. Man, great choices. Seven. Hell yeah. Which is my favorite David Fincher movie. Honestly, one of the best movies ever made. Dude, it is. It's still it's just so good. And then we got Dune. Dune, baby. Dune. Love Man, to see I it. Man, I love Seven. Love to see it. Seven. We haven't seen Seven on top four that often, so I'm glad that Ryan has it on there. Same, man. Recently, Ryan's watched Skyfall, five stars. Memento, five stars. <laughs> Shawshank, five stars. And Terminator, four and a half stars. Dude, yeah. I agree with all those ratings. <laughs> what great, a great list. Great ratings. You got taste, my friend. You got taste. <laughs> Next up, we got Xander. Xander has. Oh, I'm already crying. Xander likes crying at movies. <laughs> so he has Manchester by the Sea. Oh, goodness. Then he has Goodwill Hunting. Hell yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, Shot. Not you, Shot. Not you, yeah, you Shot. Not you, too. Then Warrior. And nice. then 50 50. Oh, man. Oh, emotional, so emotional. Emotional movies. Man, I cry at the end of Warrior for sure. Yeah, it's a good ending. Yeah, 50-50, very good movie. <laughs> I like 50-50 a lot. Me too. That director made uh, The the Night Of as well. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Man, Manchester by the Sea. My God, what a fucking movie. 
What a what a damn movie, man. Well, who we got next? All right, next up we got Alec. Alec has, fuck yeah, Miracle, the hockey <laughs> film. That's such a great movie. Oh my god, that's a good one. It's a Wonderful Life. Nice choice. Perfect for this time of year. Also, Alec has a it's a selfie of him and his cat, just like you and Judo selfie with your faces <laughs> pressed together. James has a hundred photos like that in his phone. Well, I mean, he's a cuddly cat. Oh my god, it's so cute. And then Silence of the Lambs. Personal favorite of mine. Oh yeah. Then we got another Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> nothing but class, nothing but taste. Alec, thank you so much for sending that in. Appreciate it, pal. Man, it's a great top four. It's really interesting. <laughs> All right, then we got Henry Kleinschmidt. Bio says, bon voyage, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) All the way from Australia. What's up, Henry? We got... Okay, man, this is a good top four. We got Heat. One of my favorites. I'm pretty excited to see Ferrari this week. We've we've gotten a bunch of my personal favorites in these top fours today. Quite a few, quite a few. Then we got Hunt for the Wilder People. Great pick. Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking A. Then Taxi Driver. What a, what a list. Did we just become best friends? I think so. Oh, man. Recently, Henry has watched Reanimator. Henry! 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 And then uh, Martin Scorsese's Quarantine short film, which is very funny. Cool. <laughs> bon, voyage, bon voyage, motherfucker. Finally, we have Landon, who says, Here to appreciate film but too lazy to actually review them. Smiley face. <laughs> I like it. Sometimes after I watch a movie, I don't want to review it. I just like yeah, it. So I, mean, I don't always write something. Sometimes it's like I don't have the mental capacity to commit to Something writing. witty and smart. It's like, fuck it. But Landon's got some bangers. We got The Dark Knight. Hell yeah. Then Logan. Hell yeah. Which I have right behind me on you the do. set. And then we have... Steelbook. It's awesome. Steelbook. It's a great steelbook. Yeah. That was on at the gym the other day. I was watching it well, oh, fuck in yeah. between my sets. It was awesome. Hell yeah. Then we got the departed. Yeah, kid. You call this number on a dead guy's phone. Who are you? I'm the only one who was a cop here, Bill. Then we got Ford versus Ferrari. Hell yes. Great driving movie. I again I can't wait to see Ferrari. I'm, I'm, it's supposed to be a terrific car movie. People are saying it's one of the best. Lots of uh, Matt Damon movies in this top four list of group on the, in this top four grouping. I love it. I like I it. I love too. Matt. We love Matt. Everybody, thank you so much for sending us your top four. If you would like us to read your letterbox top four all you gotta do is send us a screenshot dm it to us on instagram and we'll read it on the on the uh, episode sometime in the next 16 years somewhere like there the list is getting long now let's get into what we've been watching in addition to the first movie we talked about with wonka i've been talking i've been watching a tv show so i've been watching nathan fielder and benny safty's the curse which also stars emma stone in addition to them too how is it it's terrific it's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen, which obviously that's usually what you get from Nathan Fielder. The rehearsal was so well made, and I, I really love that show, and I love Nathan for you. But this show, it's just an insanely meta production where Nathan and Emma play husband and wife who are starring in a basically a pilot or a show for HGTV. They're, they're making a show. They're trying to sell it to the network, uh-huh. and they basically play these home makeovers. They're trying to bring this town up from poverty and from you know bring it into the limelight and they're trying to help people the like low-income housing yeah they're trying to help the locals get jobs they're trying to help the locals with housing and stuff like that 
and they're trying to make themselves look amazing and great on camera, and they're making the show. Uh. But the movie, the, the TV show is made from the style of it being a reality TV show and sort of, so there's cameras filming them doing stuff, but then there are cameras filming everything from the pers- perspective of for the audience, uh-huh. right? Gotcha. So it's a really great way to, to make a show because then in their personal lives, when the cameras of the reality show are off, it still has the feeling and style of a reality TV show. Gotcha. It's just like, obviously like invisible cameras there, but it works so well, but it shows it's a great critique of culture with social media, with reality TV shows, with celebrities. Some of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in my life are in the just the first episode where I had to rewind one scene four times to watch what was happening. I couldn't believe I'd, I was seeing it. <laughs> it was that insane and ludicrous, and I'd never seen anything like it before on, a, on TV or movies. It was so funny and absurd. I couldn't. You could hear me. I think you heard me laughing. Yeah, my I heard ass you cackling. Off. I was like, "What are you watching?" You, ca- you came in my room. I'm like, "I'm." Re- I rewound the scene. You were like four screaming, times. "Oh my god!" It's insane. It's really awesome. It's excellent. I'm. I'm five episodes in, and I really, really like it. It's very specific t- sense of humor. Benny Safdie's great in it as well. But I never seen Nathan really do scripted acting before. I'm sure a lot of it's improvised. But also in terms of scripting scenes, in terms of – I bet they have like an outline of what they want to do for a scene, and I bet yeah. you they're kind of improvising most of it. I've never seen him do a role like this where he's playing a character versus playing himself. Mm-hmm. So he's he's Is Nathan. He good? He's terrific. He's Nathan, but he's a different ver- a different style of character, obviously. Gotcha. But him with Emma Stone together, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch it because since you've been raving about it all it's week. wild, man. It's wild stuff. Nice. All right, next up, I watched – I did a double feature. What of, you got? I did Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest in the same day. So quite a day. Ironically, <laughs> that's the same lead actress, Sandra Huller. So Anatomy of a Fall, I gave four and a half stars, and I wrote, Outstanding, a thought-provoking and engrossing thriller bolstered by a resounding lead performance. Sandra Huller leads the film as a woman whose, whose husband just died. So the husband, they've, they, have a do- they have a son, and they live in like a kind of a remote area outside of a small town. And one day, the husband just found, was found outside of the house dead. Clearly fall, fell from near the top of the house, one of the three – there's three stories tall. So uh, the whole movie is about the investigation of an eventual court trial of her being the prime suspect for the husband's death. It's so well done. Brilliant writing, incredible acting. This is my favorite uh, female performance of the year. I expect a lot of nominations. It's incredible film. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. And then I watched The Zone of Interest, which I gave another four and a half stars. And I wrote Sensational and One of a Kind. This is Jonathan Glazer's new film. It's absolutely incredible. It's releasing wider in the, in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for it. It's just, I've never seen a Holocaust movie like it. It takes the perspective of the commandant of Auschwitz in his family home, which was built uh, just outside the walls of Auschwitz camp. And so it's about this pristine, loving household with the beautiful yard and beautiful home and just like so much happiness and joy. And it's literally on the other side of the wall of Auschwitz, which is, it's just a really powerful film. It's incredibly moving and really, really well crafted. It's just a genius film. And so I expect nominations for this film as well, but definitely check out zone of interest as well. It was an interesting double feature, especially because it has the same actress in it. So um, it was a, quite a day at the movies. It was a very, uh, very uh, engrossing, deep movie, uh, 
experience to see those two. I'm going to try and see those this weekend in addition to Maestro because Maestro is getting a uh, more wide release in LA. Yeah. And I'm not going home for Christmas and the holidays, so I'll be in Los Angeles, but I'm going to take the advantage of seeing a bunch of movies that I haven't had time to see like those. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to see. Because I really want to get on those. Next up for me was a movie we both watched together, American Fiction. I gave this four stars. Stars Jeffrey Wright, directed by Cord Jefferson. I wrote, Cord Jefferson punches American academia, entertainment, and publishing in the face with his witty debut, American Fiction. Jeffrey Wright is perfect as the lead. The film's concept and humor are its greatest assets as they keep you invested, even when it can get a bit melodramatic. Great use of magic surrealism to occupy the mind of a writer. I also love this film. I gave it four and a half stars. And I wrote a searing social satire as well as a touching family drama. Uproariously funny from start to finish. I love the film. It's so, so good. It's really insightful. It's hilarious. It's pretty brave. It's it's making the audience feel uncomfortable on purpose in a lot of ways and kind of does it effortlessly. And it's so, so funny. And I just, I love the performance by Jeffrey Wright. I love the screenplay. Um, I really like what Cord Jefferson did. I'm going to be really looking forward to his next film. Yeah, and it's one of the best critiques on culture I've seen in a long time. A lot of people are afraid to go after culture right now because of the backlash that can happen on social media. But Cord Jefferson's fearless with this movie, and he's going after academia, publishing, and entertainment all at the same time. And young time. people. Yeah, and the youth for sure. But academia is kind of part of that, I, yeah. I would say. And basically, you know, he plays this this writer who's black, but he can't sell a book because he doesn't write the kinds of books that academia, publishing, and entertainment want from a black author, which ironically, they're even more racist than most people because— in stereotypes. They yeah. want stereotype books yeah. from their perspective because they think it's something they can sell to the masses because it's, that's what they think people want. And they think that's the truth experience. Versus he plays a character. He's just a guy. He grew up in a very nice family in an affluent area. Another Massachusetts movie. Yeah, another mass movie. And situate. And, but, and he can't sell a book. And he's just working at a college as a professor because he, he hasn't published anything in over a decade. And then as a joke— because there's this author who's becoming insanely popular and selling books like crazy because of the books she wrote. This is all in the trailer. And he decides as an FU to publishing houses to write the most ridiculous story he can come up with, the most stereotypical thing. And he gets a movie deal. He gets a book deal. And it's this joke that goes so far and it tears apart his whole life. But also it's a great family drama. Like Anthony said, there's tragedy, there's grief, there's loss as well as you know, family situations where his mother's going through Alzheimer's. You know, it's something that we can all really relate to and connect with as a story, in addition to being a searing critique of of culture, in addition to, I feel like, ironically, the target of the jokes in this movie, the audience, the the in the trailer, the white woman who's clapping in the audience, the first person to stand up with the, the round of applause for the author reading her excerpt from her book. These people, they're the target of the joke. And they still won't even realize it. And they'll be the first people to clap at it, yeah. which is ironic and funny as hell. And uh, John Ortiz is also outstanding in this as his agent. Sterling K. Brown's awesome yeah, as Sterling well. Sterling K. Brown is hilarious. He's terrific. Oh, my God. He's so funny. It's a really, really good movie. We can't recommend it enough. Yeah. It's in theaters it's right now. It's a really good time, honestly. 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 Speaking of honestly, <laughs> let me segue into Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which I gave five stars. Wow, honestly. are you British? Well, that's, what that's how it's listed on Letterboxd. Is it really? Yeah, it's Philosopher's Stone. Well, I think, it, is there both options on here? No, just Philosopher. Let's see. I thought so. There would be Sorcerers, but no, it's just Philosopher. 
And I wrote five stars, and I and and I wrote, and so it begins because I'm doing a Harry Potter Harry Potter marathon for December, like I always do. Oh yeah, look at that, the Philosopher's Stone. I guess yeah. it's just because it's the British. It's a British movie, technically. Yeah, it's just. Story. I mean, I can't believe this is a three point seven on Letterboxd. That's insanely. It's low. so good. It's so good. Um, sorry about I, that. I get, I get the act. Sorry about that. I know. I get the acting is a little off by the kids, obviously, but this movie's perfect. It's an it's an amazing adaptation of the book. It's so incredible, practical filmmaking, beautiful cinematography. The cast is just fucking perfect. Everybody's just so perfect. And to, to see these characters brought to life for the first time, the fish-out-of-water story, um, the musical score, there's so much to this movie that just works, and it's just it's so well done. And, I, I mean, you know, Max has a lot. It, Max has an uphill battle. Uh, to try and make something that even comes close to what Chris Columbus did with Philosopher's Stone. It's, a, it's an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. And then, surprise, surprise, I watched Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets next. Same. Which I, I, was, gave, I was watching it with you. I gave four and a half stars, and I, and I wrote, don't worry, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really fun movie. Uh, it's actually moved up my list after another watch, so I rank it as number four for Harry Potter adaptations. It's so funny. It's very book accurate. It's got a wonderful score. It's got a great tone. It still has the practical filmmaking. And then on top of that, the CGI looks way better than Philosopher's Stone. The Basilisk is awesome. Tom Riddle is awesome. The spiders, the the flying car. I mean, there's so much to this movie. It hits so many beats. And it also has, like, some good scares. Only a 3.6 on Letterboxd. Man, Letterboxd hates Harry Potter movies. My favorite Harry Potter movie, and it's, it's such also an average the, rating. might be the funniest and the scariest because it's also a monster movie. It's definitely scary when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. it's a monster movie. Gilderoy Lockhart. Gilderoy's great. My God. Yeah, I really love Chamber Secrets. Y'all know that. Y'all know I Poly do. Juice Potion. So many great fucking beats in this movie. Well, we might as well talk about because we continued that marathon. We had a, a Christmas party this past weekend, and so we had Chamber of Secrets playing before everyone showed up. And then when everyone left and we were just with a couple stragglers, we watched Prisoner of Azkaban. The whole fucking thing. Which we I gave it five stars, obviously, because objectively, it is the best Harry Potter movie ever made. No competition, in my opinion. And I think Alfonso Cuaron's brilliant. And you, we've talked about Harry Potter's movies a million times. And you all know how much we love Azkaban. In all of them in general. Yes. So, you know, I feel like we don't really have to touch on Ask Man right now. If you want, look at the other episodes. I gave it five stars. Absolutely. And I wrote, the ones we love never really leave us. It's touching. So good. And then, my next watch for the week was Maestro. Which I, I gave. I to see it this weekend. I gave four and a half stars. And I wrote, astounding. With his remarkable second feature, Bradley Cooper has solidified himself as one of Hollywood's most artistic and insightful directors. This movie is visually stunning and expertly acted, especially by Cooper and Carey Mulligan. Also, the supporting cast is great as well. Just incredible cinematography, production design. Uh, I was blown away by it. It also, it's, it's a movie that it feels like an old movie. It's not just a period piece, but it feels like it was made 60, 70 years ago. And I'm not sure how audiences will react to it because it has the tone of something that was... It, fe- it felt like it was written. The way it's written... The way it's acted, it felt like it was made in the 50s or in the 40s. So I'm not sure how modern audiences will react to it. Um, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And it's really smart. Some So many great transitions, so many great editing techniques he used in this film. Just great camera work by Matthew Libatique and his team. I was just resounding performance by Bradley Cooper. He really does immerse himself. He really disappears. Great use of black and white and color film footage. 
Um, just really expertly crafted. Very, very different from Star is Born. Uh, very different, but man, just as powerful. And it comes with an emotional wallop too. Like, man, I was, I was sobbing at the end of the film. Where do you see him ranking for best actor in competition with Killian for Oppenheimer? Second best. You think Killian yeah. saws the, the edge? Yeah, I'd say, I would put Bradley over DiCaprio. He's that good in this movie. Wow. I can't wait. I'm going to go see it on Saturday. I'm ecstatic. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Well, Saturday. It's on morning. Netflix right now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm seeing it in a theater. Oh, yeah. I see it in a theater. Where's your next watch? How many left do you have? I only have I two. I have four left. I have two, so do another one. Next, I watched Priscilla, Sofia Coppola's new film, and I gave it three and a half stars. And I wrote, fantastic filmmaking and strong performances for the two from the two talented leads are the highlights of Sofia Coppola's film. It was fascinating to see... The perspective of Elvis's world from the eyes of the internal spectator he pretty much turned Priscilla into until she found the strength to leave him. Um, the film had a great first half, and then it just kind of, in a way, it didn't hold on to its steam. It kind of just finished with kind of like a whimper in a way, and it didn't maintain its strength of storytelling for the second half of the film, and especially the third act. But the first half is incredible. It's very interesting to look into the life of Priscilla and Elvis. It's a crazy story. I mean, at the height of Elvis's career, there's this girl, and she's like, Elvis wants to see me? It's crazy it's, to be in her shoes. Like, Elvis, there's a scene where he, he, he asks her to come to his house. He's in, she's invited to his house to, like, to go to a party, and she's like, he wants to see me? Like, Elvis Presley? This random girl? It's just a, it's a wild thing that actually happened, and... Sophia does a great job of putting you into the shoes of Priscilla of like how surreal and strange that was and um, how bizarre it is. But also like he ended up being like for the most part very a very sensitive guy and very um, intimate partner and very gentle. But also he had a dark side too that we never really saw on screen in other adaptations or really read about in books. And so she showcased the the other side of Elvis that only she really knew behind closed doors. It was a really fascinating story. It's really well acted. Uh, Kaylee Spaney is great as Priscilla. I hope she gets nominated because she she floored me with her performance. She's wonderful. Um, overall, it's a very good film. Um, but I do I say it's a seven out of ten. Do you prefer Boz Lerman's Elvis or this? I think Boz Lerman's Elvis is overall a better film, and it's just so much more cinematic and. Austin yeah. Butler, Jacob Elordi did a very good job, but Austin Butler was fucking incredible. Yeah, Austin's performance as Elvis is legendary. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of the best roles that anyone's yeah. done. For they're Elvis. very yeah, but they're very different movies with set out with to do very different things. Mm -hmm. But I do think that I mean there are moments in Elvis that I was I got goosebumps and I was like, oh my god, this is so crazy. Yeah, the ending's really powerful in Elvis too. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed the hell out of Elvis. Yeah. I, what did that come out in twenty twenty three? Came out last year. So 2022, the yeah. end of the year? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because he was nominated. That's right. Never mind. It's crazy how fast 2023 flew by, man. Fucking A, man. I keep trying to remember the movies that came out this year because i got to put my list together soon, like my top 10 of the year. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> Don't God. Don't put Elvis on it. I forgot about it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have put Elvis on a top 10 list anyways. I liked it, but not that so much. So you hated it. Exactly. If it's, it's a tenor bust these days on the internet. <laughs> like, we gave something four stars and people were like, I thought you would like that movie. I'm like, I did. It's a four out, four out of five. That's eight out of ten. Eight out of ten is great. That's a great score. If I ever made a movie and I got an eight on IMDb, I'd be fucking happy with that, be man. Ecstatic. Holy shit. Moving on to my next watch was an episode we're doing in a couple weeks in January. Dazed and Confused, which came out in 1993. I gave it five stars. Cars? Cars? Girls and Weed in Aerosmith. Still one of the greatest American high school movies ever made. 
Fuck the 70s were so cool. I feel like I would have thrived in the 70s, man. The music was great. The movies were awesome. And just, Who would you have been like? In the I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure. But Mitch? it just seemed like simpler times in the concept of just driving around and trying to find something to do with your friends is just so nostalgic. And, and you know, I, I feel like a, so much nostalgia for this period that I didn't exist in in the 1970s. And it just looks like so much fun. And obviously the hazing is a huge part of this movie, which was really only specific to parts of Texas and towns in the South. It didn't happen Texas. obviously everywhere, but you know, it was the thing that happened in high schools. Richard Linklater is a terrific filmmaker, one of the best American directors ever. And Days and Confused is still a perfect movie. It's so fun. The soundtrack is absurdly good. The needle drops are perfect. So many bangers in this movie, man. So many bangers. Opening up with Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith is just badass. Leonard Skinner's in this. Bob Dylan. Freaking Ted Nugent. The music is exceptional. And the mood is timeless. It's It feels like a time machine. You know, this movie feels like you're living as one of these high school students trying to get, survive hazing if you're the new freshman or go about with the hazing and then just partying and party gets busted so you're trying to figure out what's what's gonna happen tonight and it's just one day one night so memorable quotable the characters are incredible and we got stars mcconaughey matthew mcconaughey discovered in this movie ben affleck super early role Mila jovovich is in this movie it's it's crazy the talent involved what was your rating five mine too five five star five rating out of five and i wrote i simply wrote how the fuck has richard linklater made so many great movies <laughs> he really has his career is absurd and he makes his own kind of movies. He doesn't care about Hollywood or the studios. He does his thing, and it's just nothing but vibes, man. Nothing, nothing but, but vibes. vibes. I fucking love this movie. It's perfect. All right, next up. And the episode's great, by the way. I just edited it last night. It's really good. Next up, I watched an Ingmar Bergman film, because why not? Hour of the Wolf, which I gave four and a half stars. It's his, it's the only horror film he made, Ingmar Bergman. He didn't really bounce around that many genres, uh, but this was his horror film. And it's a surrealist horror film. It feels like David Lynch made it half the time, uh, but it's brilliant. Uh, expertly acted by the great Liv Ullman and Max Boncito, two of his regulars. It's about this uh, a painter and his wife who have traveled to live on an island for a time. And then just really bizarre shit's happening. The neighbors who also live on the island are super weird. Crazy stuff's happening, and it all it all leads to this crazy, bizarre, surrealist third act of an exploration of existence, of existentialism, of life and death, of uh, you know heaven and hell. And crazy ideas explored through the actions of the characters, and it's kind of like a an odyssey in in a way uh, that Max von Sydow takes. But it's really brilliant, expertly crafted, so well shot, beautiful black and white film. Couldn't recommend it enough. Hour of the Wolf. Nice, dude. Nice. Nice, dude. How many got left? One left. I also have one left, and it was super bad. <laughs> An episode that we're also doing in January. Now, super bad. I gave four and a half stars, and I think this is one of the best high school comedies ever. If not, maybe the best high school comedy. I mean, I wouldn't call Days and Confused like just a straight-up comedy movie. It's more of a vibe movie. 
It's con- I would call it comedy. Yeah, but this this century, it's super bad for sure. It's, it's untouchable. Insanely successful at the box office. It almost made $200 million back in 2007 when it came Jesus. out, which is, so it pulled 170. It probably would, that means like 250 right now, which is absurd for a high school comedy rated R. And Seth, I mean, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote this movie. Jonah Hill carries this movie on his back like, oh, like my a back. machine. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, my back. Michael Sarah's great as well. Christopher Mintz plays. Plus, Emma Stone's in this in her early role. And I believe Seth Rogen's the one that suggested she dye her hair red for the movie. And that's kind of just been her iconic look, really. Oh, yeah. That, her, most of her early career was all red hair. Yeah, because she's a natural blonde. Maybe she wouldn't have gotten as many roles. I, thought, I read that she dyed it on her own. I think Seth Rogen suggested it. it. Yeah. I, I believe that's what I read. Seth Rogen suggested she do mm-hmm. it. Didn't say, like, do it. But, like, it, it might help you stand out more in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And it obviously worked out, but everyone, this movie's terrific. It's so goddamn funny. We just recorded our episode on it earlier this morning, and we were just laughing the entire time. <laughs> so quotable, hysterical, classic high school movie about two boys trying to lose their virginity before going off to college. And it's just memorable as hell. It takes place on one day, one night, similar to Days to Confuse, which was a heavy influence on it. And I love it super bad to death, man. I'll put it on any time. It's fucking awesome. Still quarter to this day. I wrote four stars and I wrote, wait, so I gotta eat lunch alone like I'm fucking Steven Glansberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those uh it's just you don't have to write a review, just your favorite quote is enough. <laughs> it's a it's a great high school comedy. It's so funny. And it's the first hour of this movie is just fucking comedy gold and just so dynamite. It's amazing. It's like lightning in a bottle, man. Yeah, it really is. And it's like it's many films have tried to duplicate it. Many films have tried to do what Superbad did, but nothing's come close to what they did. It's just really a, a special comedy. It's so goddamn funny. I love it. It was a hit, man. It was a huge hit. And still talked about, man, I love it so much. Is that all you got for Letterboxd? That's it for Letterboxd. I only had 10 this week. Yeah, only 10 for Anthony. Only 10. Sorry, guys. I can't wait to see these movies this weekend. And so next Letterboxd, I'll be probably talking about the same movies that you just talked about. But episodes that we've been doing lately, we've had a pretty cool week on Wednesday. The other day, we dropped our episode on The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is one of our favorite Christmas movies, and it was a blast to talk about that. As well as on Monday before that, we talked about Wonka. Did an episode on Willy Wonka's latest prequel movie, which Timothy Chalamet killed. He's marvelous in it. It's such a delightful film. He cooked up something special. Really, really loved it. On Monday, which will be Christmas Day, we're going to do a Christmas movie draft. It was a lot of fun, and we're wishing you all a wonderful holiday weekend, whatever you're celebrating. We just wish you the best with your family and loved ones, and hope you have a wonderful couple of days, taking some time off from work. And and when you're commuting, be sure to listen to our episode. Absolutely, when you're driving from house to house and avoiding the stressful conversations and annoying awkward conversations with uncles and aunts that you don't really like now i know why you're not going home (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be stress-free for me um definitely put on raiders lost podcast it'll be an easy episode to listen to and just be a christmas movie draft and then obviously we'll want you to vote on spotify we'll have a poll up so that you can vote to see who has the best team on this on the christmas movie draft the Wednesday after Christmas, we are doing an episode on the best independent films of 2023. We'll be talking about some of the ones we've discussed in this episode. But basically, we made a list of our favorite 13, I believe, independent films from the year 2023. Oh, yeah. It's a good episode. Which was a, a blast to do. And that will be our last main episode of the podcast for 2023. It's been such an incredible year. We can't thank everybody for the support enough for the support that they've given us 
all the last few years, but 2023 has been an exceptional year. We've had so many cool opportunities. We've had some exciting stuff that we've done that we can't wait to share with you in January and February that we've been working on in the behind the scenes super secretly. <laughs> but it's just been an excellent year, and I, I feel very grateful for everybody who listens to our show and supports us, whether you're listening on Spotify, on Apple, or watching on YouTube, or if you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. We couldn't be doing the show without you. In 2023 will be a year that I'll always remember because of the podcast and everyone who's shown our support. And it's been, it's been a blast, and I feel very lucky and grateful. I second that. So what are you and Juno going to do for Christmas? Well, I'm going to a Christmas party oh, on fun. Christmas Day, a pho party. A pho party. Natalie, our podcast producer, is hosting a fummus, basically. So uh, Natalie's uh, making homemade pho, and we'll all Which be- Which takes all day. Yeah, well, she says the broth alone takes uh, 24 hours to make, yeah. and so she'll be making that the day before, but then she's hosting a bunch of people, and we'll just be making pho from scratch, which I'm pretty excited about. Christmas Eve, I might hang out with some other friends, do something, go out So you're something. leaving Juno alone? No, I'm on have, Christmas. Christmas morning, me and Juno will hang out and okay. open presents together. All right, I hope so. Happy Christmas, Juno. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, opening presents would scare him, so best not to do that. Yeah, he'd be terrible. He'd yeah, be terrified. Just give him some food. He hates any kind of box or wrapping in general. He, he freaks out. He hates them. He's just the. He's just scared. He's scared of everything. Yeah. He's, the world's the world is a horror movie to him. Basically, it's, it's poor guy. It's too bad. It was a stressful life. Because Eileen sent. Juno a Christmas box and he was afraid of the wrapping I'm sure and unboxing it yeah I managed to get him to stay in the same area of the box she got him a Harry Potter Gryffindor wardrobe we got him in that so we, he, he lasted a minute in yeah. it and then I tried to put she got him a little Santa hat and he bit my hand when I tried to put it on him <laughs> <laughs> he was like get away from me what is this and he jumped off he did not appreciate it but it, Eileen, that was such a sweet gift to get. He looked very cute in it. He did look cute in the we couldn't time. couldn't get the glasses on him, though. Yeah, the glasses would have been impossible. He's a, he's a biter. He's a biter, and he also— They were awfully biter. If you put any, <laughs> if you put anything on him in terms of clothing, he just gets so depressed, and he just flops to the ground and acts like he can't walk. Yeah, when he added it on, he was like, oh, whatever. Just, he acts fucking, like he has just a, kill me. He acts like he's wearing a weighted vest. He's like, I can't move. <laughs> he's like a toddler with a jacket. Like, I get this off of me. <laughs> it's so true. But, but yeah. I got to get him some treats for Christmas or something. Yeah. But we're wishing you all a wonderful holiday weekend and week and obviously eventually New Year. We're so excited to get 2024 rolling. Got a lot of exciting stuff to announce in a couple weeks. So take care, everybody. Thank you so much for being the best fans in the world and listening to Raiders of the Lost podcast. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.